Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Another event happened under my roof in 2014, and that's where my wife and I got involved in the adoption process. And, um, you know, we launched what would be City Bridge. It was Watermark Plano in August. In September, we adopted our daughter. And uh, that was just the most joyful journey we've been on. There's a picture of my family. We love the hoodies. And, um, (laughs) you know, it was the most joyful journey, I think because we never felt like we were on the adoption journey by ourselves. Like, we literally did it with the church, People were showing up and doing the journey with us the whole time. And when we had real milk, not store-bought milk, real milk delivered to our house from women for the entire year. That's crazy. We never felt like we were doing that by ourselves. The hardest moment in that whole process is the amount of paperwork And there was one piece of paper that stood out among all the other pieces of paper, and there was a lot. And it just basically was asking you, it was like 30 questions. I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. There was a column for, I could get comfortable for that, and I am comfortable with that. And it's like medical history. What happens if the mom's bipolar? Hey, what happens if the kid is born without a limb? Or has CF, cystic fibrosis, or this, or that, or this? Hey, what if the family has a history of diabetes? What about this, this, and this, and this? We should work through that. And then we got to the next section, which is said, which race of a child will you take in your home? And there were 15 checkboxes on there. You could check one. I guess you could check none. You could check one or all of them. And and we checked all of them, but what was weird about that whole process is we started asking a different question, my wife and I, that we had never even thought to ask. Like, of course it's good for that kid with all these problems to come in our house. But what about race? Is it good for that kid? We're good with it. Is it good for that kid to be in a house with parents of a different race? And as we asked that question and just brought others in, it's crazy the amount of opinions people have on all that. Looking back, I'm like, it's kind of crazy. We were making decisions about our daughter from checkboxes and labels. And just the reality is, that's kind of what we do with people. We stereotype and label and either invite people in our homes or don't invite people in our homes in our life. We usually invite people that are like us. And when we do that, that creates a big problem for everybody. Creates a big problem for City Bridge because, listen, if we just invite people that are like us here, this place will never look like the kingdom of God. And then the second thing that'll happen is it will sabotage your growth. And God wants you to look like Christ. Christ-likeness. 
So today we're going to talk about partiality. We're going to talk about partiality. Partiality is the sin of treating people differently based on the label you give them or an external thing. So partiality is. And partiality is the seed. That's why we're talking about partiality today. Partiality is the seed that racism grows out of and socioeconomic partiality grows out of. So we're going to spend our time talking about partiality and look at the expression of partiality in those two areas, socioeconomic class, partiality, and racism. Last week, Derek talked about how we see people, right? We should see people as God's image with value, worth, and dignity. Today, we're going to talk about how we see groups of people. So let me state the obvious. Why is, why is today important? Because partiality assigns your value to someone when God's the only one with the right to assign value to people. Second, it devalues the gospel. Partiality does. Derek mentioned last week that you value what you pay for. And Jesus paid for every person in every nation and every race group. So when we show partiality, we devalue the gospel. And the last thing is just God's people, we're paralyzed. We are paralyzed. Look, racism, it is a minefield of a topic to talk about. Talk about. I thought about just taking our old time and just going through the terms, right? We don't have the time. There's been so much damage and hurt and carnage from past racism that still has consequences today. And there's racism today. Socioeconomic class partiality. The, the problem here is while we kind of just don't engage in that, it just takes work. Because typically people who are outside of your class live in a different place. They're not where you are. They live in a different place. They work in a different place. Their kids go to school in a different place. And we just kind of surround ourselves with people of the same class in general. Not always, but in general. So today I want to help us talk about what does the Bible say about partiality? Second thing I want to talk about is how do we respond in humility? And how do we love like an ambassador? So let's jump in. If you have your Bibles, we're going to jump head first into James chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 is where we're going to start. And we'll put it up here on the screen if you don't have, have the word of God with you. So here we go. I'm just going to read this, verses 1 through 4. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes in into your assembly, and a poor man in shabbly clothes walks in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions, distinctions among yourselves and become judges with equal thoughts? So let me start with the first, just the first thing, and then we're going to talk through the process. The process of partiality. So first things first. My brothers, show no partiality. I would underline that in my Bible. I, I underline it in mine. And here's what I just want to draw attention to here. 
is that God doesn't force rank or rank different sins or commands. They're all the same. Now their consequences may be different, but in God's eyes, sin is sin. Here's what I mean by that. Show no partiality. If you are partial towards people, that is on the same level as the Ten Commandments. It is a big deal to God. It's a command, not a suggestion. So just my first point as we talk about sin is that partiality is a rebellion against God. Partiality is a rebellion against God. Now let's walk through the process of partiality. What does this look like? And I'm going to give you a couple examples uh, down the road. Okay, so partiality. If a man walks in, right? It starts with seeing somebody, right? You pay attention. You see someone walk in and you see someone else walk in. So it just starts with what goes in your eye? What do you see? Jesus says the eyes are the lamp of the body, right? What you see affects your heart. And your heart affects what you see. So it starts with what you see. Look at what it says in verse C. If you pay attention... So now you're not just seeing, you're stopping and paying attention. Because everything has to rhyme at City Bridge, you see and then you spotlight, okay? Or focus. You see something and you focus, you spotlight on what is different about them. What is the label that pops in my mind when I look at them? Rich, poor, shabby clothes, nice clothes, gold ring. What do I see? And I get focused and I spotlight on that thing. But it doesn't stop there the process of partiality. The next thing that happens is you separate things. Sound familiar? You go over here and you go over here. Rich man, you go take that awesome seat and poor man, you go sit right here. You see, you spotlight, you separate, and then you show favor or you withhold favor. That is the process of partiality. That happens over and over and over and over. So let me just ask another obvious question. What's wrong with that? Biblically, if you had to go, what does God's word say about what's wrong with that? Outside of just, oh, you just read, show no partiality. Let me just throw out a couple things. This is something we try to tell our kids over and over and over, right? We do. I think you do too. It's 1 Samuel 16, right? Man looks at external things, the outward appearance. But what does God look at? The heart. God cares about the inside. Look at what verse 5 says of James. It says this. Listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith? Like, underline, rich in faith. And heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. Let me ask you something. Like, I just started thinking about my kids. What kind of person, student leader, do I want discipling my kids? Do I want someone rich? Or do I want someone who is rich in faith? That is a no-brainer for me. Now, these are the type of people you put in leadership. Those are rich in faith. 
And then the last problem with this is the way we treat people either validates God's image in people or devalues the image in God with people. So how you treat people has a direct correlation with how you view God's image in people. Look at what it says. We're going to jump one chapter to the right in James 3.9. just says this. talking about the tongue. And it just says this. When we went with it, with the tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So partiality sees, spotlights, separates, and shows favor. So that's the seed. Okay, let's talk about race and socioeconomic class that come out of that. So how does the Bible view race? The biblical term is ethnicities. The cultural term is race. Okay, so let's just not split hairs over that. So here's what it says in Acts. If you want to know what God thinks about race and partiality, here's what he says in Acts 10, 34 through 35. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You want to know what God's view of race is? And he loves, it's part of different races are part of his church. He shows no partiality. We are called to show no partiality. So how is that view, biblical view of race and racism contrasted with um, the current view, worldview on race in our culture? Look, there are many views on race. I'm just going to use one that has been very forefront over the last several years. Critical race theory. And I'm going to contrast a biblical worldview, which is some of the tenets in critical race theory. So where the scripture talks about do not show partiality, just one general observation with critical race theory is that's where you begin. You show partiality to your group. And you may or may not show partiality to different groups. It's not about individuals. You are part of a group, and so I'm going to show partiality or not based on your group you're in. That's just a big picture. Okay, we, we put a chart together just to kind of walk through worldview issues. Worldview, which is where we've been for the last several weeks, every single worldview in the world, they might not use the word creation, but they're all answering these four questions. From atheism is answering these questions, where, who are we? What's the problem? Agnosticism, deism, feminism, name the ism. Hinduism, name the ism. And every ism is trying to answer those four questions. So let's start with creation. Who are we? Well, the scripture is very clear. We are made in God's image with value, worth, and dignity. That's where the Christian worldview starts. And every person has value. Okay? Critical race theory starts in the next category over. Okay, which is, what is the problem? 
The scriptures say the problem is, from a biblical worldview, the problem is everything that happened in Genesis 3 and on. Rebellion, sin, a good God that created everything we need. And rebellion happened in chapter 3. Murder of brothers happens in chapter 4. And death, 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 death happens in chapter 5. You know what the problem is from a biblical world? Sin, rebellion. That's caused division, death, and divisiveness. In critical race theory, the problem is the group of oppression, right? You're either viewed in one of two categories. You're either grouped in as an oppressor group or an oppressed group, a marginalized oppressed group. And the problem is this group of oppressors continues to oppress a marginalized oppressed group. That's the problem. If we can fix the group and oppression problem, we can fix the problem, which leads us on to the next category. What's the solution? A solution in critical race theory is activism, liberation, right? We got to get rid of these groups that are oppressing. What's the, what's the solution in, in the biblical worldview? It's just reconciliation. But everything that happened in Genesis 3, God, you've got to be reconciled back to God. Men have got to be reconciled back to each other. And that happens through the gospel. And it doesn't stop there. You are given a Holy Spirit that is going to give you a new nature so you can stop being partial at some point. It's like whack-a-mole. If you don't have the spirit, partiality, you might fix the racism piece, but that's just going to express itself in some other way because you've got a heart problem. And part of the redemption thing is Jesus like, I'm going to give you a new heart so you can stop being partial. Let me just read. This is around race and ethnicity. This is what Ephesians 2 says. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, that's Jesus' flesh, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance that he might create in himself, Jesus, one new man in place of the two. Can I tell you about the two? They were hostile towards each other. They were groups of people where hostility existed. Jesus broke it down. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. It's a very different worldview around redemption than the one being put before us. And finally, Where's this thing going? Like, what's the goal? The culmination. Critical race here, would just say equity, right? Equal outcomes. That the structures of oppression are gone and everybody has equity and equal outcomes. And the biblical worldview ends with eternity. So let me just read this about what it says about race and ethnicity in eternity. It's going to be awesome. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice like the same song. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the lamb. That's race. 
That's how race is expressed out of the seed of partiality. We group people. We make people more or less. And that's where socioeconomic class partiality comes out of a seed. Rich, poor, homeless, have a house, have three houses, right? This is where we see the expression of socioeconomic class. God starts with value being embedded in every human being, regardless of class. So here's where the rubber hit the road with me this week, was just around um, what happens every time I come up to an intersection, And I hope you're not like me. But every time I come up to an intersection and there is somebody with a sign asking for money who is homeless, something happens to me. You know what happens? I see, I spotlight, I separate my eyes from them onto anything. My phone, my radio, and I show favor. I'm going to put my energy into there. So I don't have to put my energy into a person. And God's got to grow that out of me. That's where class hits the road for me. Just this week. I think my my question is, what are you wrestling with on these topics? What are you wrestling with around the issue of partiality, maybe expressing racism in your life or race? or socioeconomic class. You know what needs to happen? For me, I need to look at that homeless person in the eyes, roll down my window and engage with them and don't break eye contact with them because they have value. I need to treat them like they're created in the image of God. What are you wrestling with on this topic? So how are we supposed to respond? If partiality is rebellion against God, how should I respond in humility? Let me just start with where scripture starts. Matthew 7. You hypocrite, Rob Barry. First get the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks will be open. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Where do you start with humility? You start with yourself, just like West just talked about. You draw the circle here, and work here. And here's the crazy thing about Matthew 7, the ask, seek, knock. God cares so much about your neighbor and he cares so much about you loving your neighbor because you're the person he sent to love the neighbor that he wants to do everything he can to help you grow in this area. With partiality, he wants you to beat down his door asking him for help. You start with yourself and you ask God for help. Or maybe a better way to say it, you know, we can't rewrite this. Hey, start with yourself and beg God for help here. 
That's the biblical worldview of where to start in humility. Here's the world's view, the worldview in the world of where you start. Well, you got to start with the system. The problem's the system. It's out there, right? The problem is the oppressor group. And look, let me tell you, God hates oppression. Start with the oppressor group. Start with the system. That's the current worldview. Socioeconomic class. Hey, listen, tax more. Tax less. Tax differently. Capitalism's the problem. Socialism's the answer. Or flip those two. Capitalism's the answer. Right? We all want to start out there. Because we've just been trained by the world. And the scriptures say, no, you need to start here. So let me ask you guys a couple diagnostic questions about where we start here. Um, I want you to ask yourself, if you've ever made this statement or heard somebody say, hey, I'm just colorblind. I don't see color. Listen, I want to believe the best there and, and believe what they mean by that is they don't show partiality based on skin color. Praise Jesus. But I'm just telling you, I see color every single morning at 7 a.m. when I walk in my daughter's room. When I'm taking her to school, and it's my wife or I, I, we've got to put detangler in her hair. It is, her hair is beautiful, but it is different. And I see color every single day. And it is beautiful. So let's just stop acting like we don't see color. Color is God's design. I I was driving here this morning, and it just, one of those crazy thoughts popped in my head. Like, this may only make sense if you know me, but like, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, can you imagine if there were one trillion raw berries in the world? They would exhaust me. They would absolutely exhaust me. And like, how bland. And the reality is, Rob Berry is made in God's image. But Rob Berry is not the full mosaic of God's image. What about this? If you were just to take an honest assessment, are you just paralyzed by fear? Paralyzed by losing losing an argument, not having all the facts, just moving into this conversation. Are you a paralyzed ambassador? David Gentiles, we were talking to this week, he goes, hey, listen, I I know people like, they don't want to move towards this conversation because they don't want to say something that's hurtful. Are you paralyzed by fear? What about this? Are you just unmoved and apathetic? If I just had to just guess for most of us around this issue and expressed in these two ways, we're just kind of unmoved and apathetic. 
And I, I think I'm going to ask you have, you, have you read something, a statistic, a disparity over the last couple years that just kind of stopped you in your track? Where you just kind of go, is that true? And look, I know people interpret those things differently, okay? Have you ever watched a documentary on race or racism? And look, I know every documentary, whether it's a conservative one on racism or, you know, the other side on race, I know they have an angle. But have you watched something that just made your blood pressure go up and broke your heart? That just made you want to respond, not in defensiveness, but with compassion or empathy. And man, I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to look more into that. So I just think we can just respond with defensiveness. God's people have got to respond with compassion and empathy. Here's another one. Are there any just groups of people that I just assign stereotypes to? And look, we, we're fun with this sometimes. We're like, you know, just another Aggie, you know? So I'm not going to deal with you as a person. I'm going to group you into the, just another Longhorn. You know how all those Longhorns are. They're all the same. That's fun, right? We can have fun with that. But just do we put stereotypes on people that prevent us from moving towards them? And I think we do this socioeconomically as well, right? Well, hey, all homeless people are fill in the blank. Have you ever just considered that 11% of the men and women on the streets are veterans that served our country? Have you ever just thought about that homeless person you come across, that out of all the thousands of kids in foster care system in America, when they hit 18 years old, 20% of those kids, that's a lot of kids, every single year will go straight to the streets. Have you just ever considered how we do this? Let me just give you another example that's even more personal. Um, well, hey, everybody on government assistance or everybody on welfare or everybody on food stamps is, you know, I don't know how much you know about my story, but um, my family was on welfare for over 10 years. And my dad worked 60 hours every single week. And so just, hey, let's just acknowledge, man, we... We've got to get our heart right around this topic of partiality, which expresses itself in racism and in class. Are you wrestling with this stuff? So where do you start? You start right here, and you beg God for help. All right, third. How do we love like ambassadors? How do we love like ambassadors? Well, we move towards people. We seek understanding and we have a clear message. We move towards people, seek understanding, and have a clear message. Let's go back to James chapter 2, verses 8, 12, and 13. Look at what it says. 
If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Verse 12. So speak and so act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy. I underline that. Mercy. To the one who has shown no mercy. Underline that. Mercy. Underline that. Triumphs over judgment. How do we love people? Well, we love people the way God loves people. And Jesus is the perfect example. Can you imagine if he never moved towards people that were unlike him? He would have never left heaven. He would have just stayed with the Father and the Spirit. But he didn't. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 8, chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich in heaven, yet for your sake became poor, so that through his poverty you may become rich. A holy God left the Father and the Son, became a man, and moved into the neighborhood with everybody that was unholy. There's nobody in the history of the world that has modeled this better than Jesus. Move towards people. Seek understanding. Hey, Woody, as you're getting to know people's story, you know, fool does not delight in, um, fool does not delight in understanding, but only in airing his own opinion. As you move towards people and get to know their story, just what do you mean by that? And how did that work out? Just ask good questions that lead you towards clarity. I think about my friend Lori, who's one of our community shepherds, and I'm always asking her how to do this better. Just relationships, counseling, all that. And I just think, this is what I've heard from Lori. Empathy, empathy, empathy. Okay, what next? Empathy. And I'm like, yeah. So let me just give you a couple of examples of um, ways we're trying to apply this on our, our leadership team here and some examples of how we can apply this message this week, okay? So we all, everything should start with leadership, right? Leaders should be working on the log in their own eye. You may have heard us said that we don't, our staff doesn't know what anybody in here gives. Thank you if you do. You know, there's two people on our entire staff that no, because they've got to like send you a giving receipt and all that. And I would just tell you, our elder team, the five of us, we don't have a clue what you give here because we don't trust ourselves. Not knowing that is a fence that helps us not move to be impartial here or partial here. So we're guarding ourselves. That's just one specific way. Second, as we just allocate money based on the the money you've given over the last year as we allocate that to ministry and making disciples and all that there is a good chunk that we've allocated to our city bridge clinic this year i mean a good chunk because that is a way that we can serve move towards engage and not separate right just go there come here We want to love you here, provide medical care for you. That is awesome and holistic care. Just want you to know from an elder perspective, that's how we think about partiality on a a large level here. Here's here's a couple ways that you can put this into practice this week. First, 
I would just say ruthlessly examine your life. In the, in the recovery world, this idea of get down on your knees every single morning and pray that you would be sober for the next 24 hours. And I would just encourage us to do that this week. Every single morning when you get up, hit your knees and go, Lord, would you help me? I need your help to think sober-mindedly about people. And Lord, would you just for the next 24 hours, help me, help me. Second, listen, these are some easy ones. This is an easy one, right? Pick a grocery store that is not in your neighborhood, that might be in a different neighborhood than you, and just go in there and just engage someone. Don't be weird. (laughs) Just talk to the cashier. Hey, what's your story? Did you grow up here? You know, go to, I'm not, I don't want to mess with women's hair in here ever, okay? If you're a man and go, you go somewhere to get your hair cut, go to a place that is going to stretch you. Like a couple weeks ago, um, I went into this place where everybody in there was from the Middle East, mainly Iraq. And it was awesome. Just go somewhere different than where you normally go and engage. Third, um, listen, I know we're all crazy busy, but if you're looking for a place to serve, jump in with our clinic team. You don't need to have any medical training. That that might scare you, but there are people there who are trained medically. (laughs) But there's the majority of our church just goes there to love people and to listen to people and to help people get connected. We need people to go serve at the clinic. I, I I don't know that I can guarantee anything, but I can almost guarantee if you go serve at the clinic, it will grow your love for people that are different than you, which will change your heart. And then last, um, join one of our one race groups this summer. That might be just a weird word to you, one race. Um, We have had, so over the last two years, 75 men and women in our body that have been committed to being in circles and talking through this conversation. Working through a curriculum called Church and the Racial Divide, and it has been phenomenal. This summer, we're going to have a seven-week kind of series um, that are going to be small groups that you can jump into and just work through that curriculum with people that may be different than you, probably are going to be different than you. You know, we hosted a an equipping deal for parents about a year ago. We've got people on the ground floor here that have have been helping this body think biblically about this topic. It has been amazing. So I think in just closing, I just want to remind us, listen, this place will not look different if we change the system or the church strategy. This place changes when we just go love our neighbor, regardless of what class or race they're a part of. And in the process, we, we get to be transformed into his likeness. We get to grow in the process. How fun is that? Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. 
To learn about CityBridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at CityBridgeCC. See you next time.